Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, August 16th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, you are a guy who has his hands on a lot of different things. You've got your day job, you know, wiring uh, all of Long Island and Manhattan for technological advancement. You've got Broadway radio. You've got Broadway stars. You have your hands in a lot of different areas. So I think you can probably understand how confusing it can be if you say run a side project that is a theater review aggregator site. And then you also produce a play on Broadway, but it doesn't get very good reviews. I can I bet you can understand the internal conflict of why you might not want to put the awful reviews for the show that you produced and co-wrote on your theater review aggregator site. I'm sure you can understand how one might do that, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's it. it uh, I could understand that. But maybe you were just so busy in the last week or so that you didn't get to uh, update your own website with your own reviews no. from The New York Times. No, because it was actually on there at one point. Oh, it has since oh. been pulled down. In fact, I might have screenshots of it on the website and then it gets pulled down. So I'm not, I mean, I can understand. I'm sure it was a perfectly innocent mistake and not trying to hide the fact that the show was completely panned. But when people ask why we have issues with uh, the way that Ken Davenport does the things, it's things like this. It's things like charging for reading a script. It's, it's charging for a contest to 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 enter a contest it's just it's little things like this that build up that really puts a sour taste in your mouth with somebody who tries to be as proactive and provocative and progressive as he is but also trying to um, line his own pockets and make himself look better even when he's not doing necessarily the best or the right thing so you know the producer's perspective super conference is coming up uh, yeah. <laughs> Go to CTI instead. Yeah, when the super when the super conference comes up, is there going to be a a seminar on what we learn from uh, a failed show? Because you know, in all honesty, there's a lot. You, you know, you talk to anybody who started yeah. started you know great things in the world, and you have to own your failures because you learn so much more from failure than from success, and. I have learned a lot, and my failures are all over the place, and mm-hmm. you have to own that. So it's sad that um, Diddy Like It seems to not uh, live up to this mantra. I mean, it's just really important. I mean, you can't, you can't avoid the fact that he wrote and produced a, uh, a show that was not widely regarded. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just another feather in the cap of uncomfortableness and uh, for a guy that otherwise I would really like what he stands for, but yeah, other way. All right. First up in the news, the Broadway revival of burn this confirmed its plans yesterday. Yes, James. Okay. Now let's go back through the history of this revival. Originally a Broadway production of Lanford Wilson's burn. This was slated to reopen the Hudson theater starring Jake Gyllenhaal. However, that was scuttled when everyone learned that Jake could sing Sondheim and they decided to do Sunday in the Park with George instead. Makes sense. 
Then it was rumored uh, and then eventually announced that Kylo Ren himself, Adam Driver, would bring the show to Broadway, but no further details were confirmed. I think they just said it'll happen sometime in 2019. However, as of yesterday, we now know that former Felicity Carrie Russell, fresh off her run in The Americans, one of the best television shows of all time, will make her Broadway debut opposite Driver this coming March in Burn This. No specific dates or a theater have been announced, but Michael Mayer will direct. And I wouldn't be surprised if the fact that no theater has been announced might be out of respect for another Mayer-directed show, which hasn't yet announced closing, but undoubtedly will soon. Uh, and that might open up the Hudson to finally host Burn This uh, sometime in, in in March. Now, Burn This, if you're unfamiliar, tells the story of four New Yorkers whose lives are uprooted by a young dancer's accidental death. Set in downtown New York in the raw and gritty 1980s, the combustible drama explores the spiritual and emotional isolation of the dangerous, sexy, raw, and demanding pale played by Driver, and the modern dancer Anna, played by Russell, and their tempestuous relationship after the two iconoclasts are brought together in the wake of a life-changing personal tragedy. Now, James, I'm going to uh, do a little tease that I don't think uh, you even know, but I can't say who, but um, I might have heard uh, through a friend of a friend that a certain former multiple-time Tony nominee is also slated to co-star in this and will be announced soon. The original Broadway production of Burn This, uh, Burn this starred Joan Allen, John Malkovich, Jonathan Hogan, and Lou uh, Libertori. Did you get that right, James? Uh, Libertori, yeah. Libertori, okay. Um, anyway, James, dating back to the days of Felicity, I have been a huge Carrie Russell fan, uh, but she was otherworldly in The Americans. So I'm really, really excited to see this show, and maybe she'll bring some of her uh, wigs from The Americans as well. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Carrie Russell. So She's great. Are you a short hair Carrie Russell or a long hair Carrie Russell? I'm I'm less concerned about the length of the hair, but I <laughs> was a big fan of the Felicity curly hair. I'm, but it I'm was not... a, it was quite the shock when she cut it in Felicity, yes. right? Yes, at the end towards the end of the run she cut the hair. It was a big deal, but I I um you know, maybe it's because that was my formative years. Um I was in high school, getting ready to start college, and that show was based around a college yeah. student. So mm -hmm. that original Felicity uh, look for me is probably my favorite. All right. It's exciting for uh, Carrie to um, be joining us on Broadway soon. Mm -hmm. um, just a quick note about Head Over Heels. I just – everybody I talk to that goes to see the show loves it. So, you know. Including you. Including, including, including me. And so if you have not seen Head Over Heels or if you have seen it and loved it, you know, I would go and go and see it again. I, I don't think it's going to be around long. And that's really sad because I really like this show. All right. Next up in the news. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Pre-Broadway run finds its leads. Yes, if you are hearing this, that means that it is now after 10 a.m. in the East uh, and the embargo has lifted. If you aren't hearing this, no, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, there was a negative. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was an embargo for 10 a.m. So if you're getting hearing this, that means the, the feed has been refreshed. But Alex Timbers, the director of the show, has found his two leads for the musical adaptation of the iconic film Beetlejuice. 
playing the titular poltergeist will be School of Rock Tony nominee Alex Brightman, the role created on screen by the indomitable Michael Keaton. And taking over the Winona Ryder role of Lydia Dietz will be Sophia Ann Caruso. Caruso was briefly on Broadway in Blackbird, although you wouldn't know it from the playbill, and co-starred in the New York Theater Workshop world premiere of the David Bowie musical Lazarus. Beetlejuice's pre-Broadway run will play the National Theater in Washington, D.C., not to be confused with the National Theater in London, where Hadestown, another show that also deals with death, uh, will be having its pre-Broadway run at an overlapping time. But anyway, additional casting, <coughs> Carrie Butler, uh, will be announced shortly. Now, James, uh, it, to me, I, I've never seen Sophia Ann Caruso, but just looking at her, you're like, oh, yeah, she, she's Lydia. Um, but between her and Alex Brightman playing this role, that just seems like these two actors were actually like 3D printed to play these parts. Oh, I'm so excited. Bright Monster is going to be uh, doing this. But, you know, he's taking on a role that Michael Keaton did on film. Does this mean that when Batman comes to Broadway, they, Bright Monster can do it there? <laughs> I'm Batman. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that would be awesome. Uh, that, I'm isn't still it strange this... that Batman has not come to Broadway? I mean, we've had Spider-Man. We've had Superman. I mean, might as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Exactly. Although Keaton Keaton's Batman is still my favorite. I mean, yeah. Christian Bale, whatever. That's fine. It's not my thing. I, I love me some Keaton. All right. Uh, next up, the Dolby Theater will host national tours in 2020. Yes. Yesterday, we learned that the iconic Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, the home of the Academy Awards, many an American Idol finale, America's Got Talent, So You Think You Can Dance's Academy Week, and much more, will begin hosting national tours in 2020. According to Playbill, quote, the decision stems from an agreement between CIM Group, which owns and operates the Dolby, and the Hollywood Pantages Theater. Now, obviously, the Pantages is one of the two main tour stops in Los Angeles and is just one mile down Hollywood Boulevard, from the Dolby. In addition to Pantages, which seats 2,700, LA has the Center Theater Group's Amundsen Center, which we talk about often. That seats 2,000 people. In comparison, the Dolby seats 3,400, so a huge increase in capacity there. Now, James, certainly there is no short of, of a shortage of arts and theater lovers in Los Angeles. So, Without knowing the data data of subscribers and ticket buyers, I, I don't I'm not privy to that information. But just anecdotally, like I would think that the city would be more than supportive enough to have three large theaters hosting national tours at different times in the year. But what I really think that this opens up for Hollywood is for longer sit down productions to happen over on the left coast. Yes, they had Hamilton and Los Angeles for four months, but that was technically just a long tour stop. If there were other venues uh, available for tours, I could see a successful show deciding to put down roots in LA for a longer period of time, maybe at the Pantages or the Amundsen, if it can work into uh, CTG's season. I, I really think that we might see some more sit-down productions over on the West Coast because L.A. has uh, an, an extra option for tours to come in. So I just did some quick math at 3,400 seats times eight shows a week times an average ticket price of $200. Hamilton could bring in $5.4 in one week. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, can they do it before 2020? Because, damn, that would be, uh, that would be nice. But, yeah, I mean— $5.4 million a week, that would— 
you know, that it's one fifth of the entire Broadway gross for all the shows on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and certainly, obviously, there are very few Hamiltons ever. But yeah. uh, and I'm not sure that a sit down would make sense at the Dolby. Yeah. Um, but but it could make sense at the Amundsen. Obviously, CTG has a, a slightly different thing as they, you know, they bring in tours, but also have their own shows. But the Pantages at twenty seven hundred is definitely doable in a city the size of Los Angeles to have a sit down production. I mean. We've had sit-down productions of – obviously, we have Hamilton in Chicago right now. We've had uh, different versions of, of Wicked in L.A. and Chicago. Um, there's plenty of, of shows that I think that are big enough um, that could make this happen. And I think that would be great because it's – we often hear about how – Theater is not respected as much in Los Angeles because of the overwhelming impact of of, of the screen industry, big and small. Um, it's very similar here in Orlando. The the um, the theater industry here is not very big at all because of the overwhelming presence of theme parks. So I think if they they said, you know what, we know that there's an audience for this, and we have a venue, an extra venue now to kind of spread out the tours. I, I really feel like this is something that that might be in the cards for Los Angeles. And I hope it is because I, I would love to kind of see spreading the Broadway love a little bit more than we already are. OK, Matt, what other news do we have? All right. Earlier this week, we learned that the Handmaid's Tale star Samira Wiley, Olympic figure skater Adam Rippon, comedian uh, Randy Rainbow and billion star Asia Kate Dillon will join the previously announced Neil Patrick Harris, uh, uh, Mary Louise Parker, Billy Porter and the original cast for a 20th anniversary reading of the Tectonic Theater Group's The Laramie Project. The reading will take place on Monday, September 24th at John Jay College. When they originally announced this, James, I, I said this is one of my favorite works. I think it's one of the most important pieces we've seen in the theater, um, obviously, in the past 20 years. Uh, so this should be a really special celebration. Next, when Heather's transfers to the West End's Theater Royal Haymarket, it will feature a reworked script and a new song. The show's creators used the show's European premiere at the Other Palace earlier this year to tinker with the script and to add a new song, I Say No, to be sung by Veronica. The show will play a strictly limited 12-week run beginning on September 3rd. Next, Bench Pasek and Justin Paul told Variety that they've written some new songs for Disney's live-action Aladdin. They apparently wrote a new song for Jasmine, who will be played by Naomi Scott, as well as a duet for her and Aladdin, and they added a new verse to the classic Arabian Nights. So that's exciting. James, I wonder if what they've written for the movie version, I wonder if that will impact anything that happens in the stage version, because that doesn't look like that's going uh, away anytime soon. Um, I, I wonder if there'll be uh, any bounce back or any confusion or, or any new songs added. So that's something to keep an eye on. And finally, today will be the final Broadway and Bryant Park for the summer, and it will feature the whole cast of Be More Chill, as well as getting the band back together and members of Once on This Island and School of Rock's ensembles. The show will take place today from 1230 to 1:30. Seating opens at 11 a.m. and is first come, first served. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? Okay, I will say, if you are listening to this before 10 a.m., might want to refresh your feeds at the stroke of 10. Just saying. Eastern time, of course. All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us, and come on back tomorrow, and Matt and I will get you into the weekend.